Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun, and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists, and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy, and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi friends and welcome back to another episode. As I started planning this one, I knew I wanted to open this intro by starting with some of the things that we don't talk about enough or things that we keep to ourselves or feel embarrassed by in today's society. Maybe it's how dark the insides of our heads can feel on some days or how totally uncontrollable our anxiety, depression, fear or insecurities can feel. Or maybe it's that all too familiar feeling of looking in the mirror and just hating what you see, but never being able to communicate that outwards to people around you. Maybe it's a feeling that you just are not sure if you're on the right track in your life and that everyone else seems to have it sorted out apart from you and you feel like you are wasting this one precious life, but you just don't know what to do. Maybe it's things that happened to you as a child or things that you did in the darkness of your past relationships that we don't share and we keep in that darkness. We all have secrets, right? I used to, at least, and I for one know that secrets can weigh so heavily on how we function. Always there, always lingering, always on in the back of our mind. They're the things that can push our body into fight or flight without us even realizing the heaviness of what we're harboring. We build these secrets into stories, stories about who we are, how we function in this world and how others should treat us, but stories that only hold value in the silence of our heads. I for one have held many secrets in my lifetime and I cannot tell you how life-changingly liberating it has been starting to do the work to help me not only to accept the mistakes of my past, but also to accept and embrace them too. That the journey I have lived panned out the way that it did and I can love it and I can learn from it, or I can hide and hold the deepest, darkest shame around things from my past. For anyone listening, I want you to know that the first step of relinquishing yourself from secrets comes from banishing the shame that surrounds them and then banishing the story. And today's episode is going to cover that and so much more. The silence of STIs and STI checks and fear, judgment, shame and stigma are just another thing that is not being spoken about enough in today's society. For something that is so common, these discussions still remain so uncommon. For me, my own personal journey started around the age of 17. I remember once in the middle of my gap year getting my ear pierced on the Koh San Road in Thailand. I was drunk, very drunk, naturally, and the needle was sat in this huge green sterilization pot, which drunk me thought was fine, right? It turns out that when I came home and I went for a routine STI check, also because I cheated on my boyfriend when I was traveling, yes, like I said, my teenage years were a shameful mess. The entire experience instilled fear in my heart. 
It was a cold clinical medical room with a cold, abrupt, harsh woman telling me that I'd been so stupid and I might have HIV. My whole body went into shock, shut down, freeze. I didn't say anything and I didn't move. In that moment, more than ever, I needed someone to love me, to care for me, to hold me and to support me and tell me that everything was going to be fine, whatever happened. I needed warm, loving, caring support and I got nothing. And for me, that set the foundations of my relationships with STIs and STI checks for the remainder of my life. Still, many, many years later, I have almost a phobia of needles and blood tests. I now understand that the shock and the overwhelm was so traumatic for my body. And today, it's still something that I'm trying to unravel with love, with kindness and compassion. A year or so later, the entire experience was compounded even further when I contracted the HPV virus that you get tested for in routine smears. In the UK, you don't start to get routine smears until you're 25 years old. So I experienced this in a vacuum of silence until other people around me started to get their smear tests. And I started to realize that the virus was really common after all, with up to nine out of 10 women actually testing positive for it at some point in their life. But once again, because of these years of silence and no conversation and no connection with other people around similar or shared experiences, the damage was done. I thought I was the only person in the world that was ever going to suffer from this. I didn't even realize it at the time, but what therapy has helped me explore is that I punish myself so deeply, telling myself subconsciously, even though I never directly had this conversation with myself, that it was all my fault. I deserve this for cheating on my boyfriend, for being such a slut for being promiscuous. And now I look back between that and the silence and society stigmatization already deeply ingrained in my mind, I was living a life of be promiscuous and get punished. And that is purity culture at its finest. Again, at that point, all I needed was a loving, caring shoulder to cry on to tell me that everything's going to be fine. And this is just part and parcel of life's rich pageant. But because I didn't have one, the damage was done so quickly that again took me years to unravel. And this just brings me back to the core mission of Open House is to provide you guys the warm, loving, safe space that I never had when I was younger. Now, fast forward over a decade and a half, and while I've never had another encounter with an STI personally, those around me have. And I've watched loved ones come into contact with a ton of different infections, from gonorrhea to herpes to chlamydia to hepatitis B and more. And the more and more that I've stepped into this space of loving compassion on my podcast, the more and more people have started talking about these things to me, knowing that I'm a safe space to love them whatever comes up. And I started to realize what a normal part of society these things are, yet how few people talk about them. And in the instant that anyone has ever disclosed something sensitive like this to me, all I've wanted to do is love them. And I realized, what else would I do? The more and more that I've sat with this and spoken about this and talked to people about this, I've realized that sex is a beautiful, normal, incredibly magical experience, but it comes with risks just like everything else does in life. Just like driving a car, driving a motorcycle, doing an exercise class during the pandemic. But just because sex is sex... Contracting an infection through sex is deemed far more unacceptable than contracting any other infection in today's world. And what I've realized is that is double fucking standards. So when I stumbled across Beck Antonucci sharing how herpes had changed her life for the better and how it was the ultimate 
permission slip for her healing, for her self-love, for her self-respect and self-compassion, I was fascinated. Beck is truly one of the most powerful, liberating women I have ever had the pleasure of meeting in my life. And what she shares in today's episode is something that I think the whole world needs to hear, whether you've come into contact with an STI or you haven't. This episode is for everyone because the episode is about self-empowerment and freedom of expression and learning to just be who we are in a world that tells us to be quieter, smaller, and more ashamed. And to that, I say the biggest fuck you. So this episode helps you understand that you're not alone and your loved ones are not alone and that these things are just part and parcel of normal society. But we need to change our approach as a society to how we judge ourselves and others when they come into contact with something like this. What I've learned is that these viruses should also not be feared and stigmatized. And yes, in my eyes, while infections can be avoided predominantly through using protection, my work in the health tech space over the last five years has also taught me something else, which is that bacteria and viruses are everywhere. It's thought that we have the same number of bacterial cells in our body as human cells and 10 times as many virus particles. In fact, it's thought that we actually have trillions trillions, that is crazy, of viruses in our body right now. And so the question for me is, why is one so stigmatized? In the functional medicine communities too, it's a widely held belief that's very, very empowering, which is that so many of us have viruses that we don't know about and that we will never know about because a healthy, strong terrain and immune system won't let its head poke out to ever say hello. And that virus could lay dormant in your body for so long, literally forever, that you would never even know it exists. And this is why so many countries will actually refuse to test for herpes in the routine STI check because it's much more common than people even realised. But so many people will never, ever even see the effects of it. But what I've learned is that it isn't about ridding our body of these viruses or even trying to. It's actually about ridding our bodies and our mind of the silence, the shame, the stigma and the judgment that today's society has infiltrated our subconscious with. The STI results are clean or dirty, that enjoying pleasure is wrong, sinful or shameful, even if no one explicitly says that to you. There are so many angles that Beck covers in today's episode, but the areas of silence, shame, communication and stigma are some of the most important of all. I think perhaps what's the most fascinating of all from this episode is when Beck shares how you only have a big response to this virus often if you have the core wounds of rejection and abandonment, which drive that fear-based response. For some people, this will feel like this experience is a decimating, life-destructive one. And for those people, Beck is here to help you. But she also shares how for so many people who don't have those rejection or abandonment wounds, this truly can be no big deal whatsoever for them. And that's how it can be truly no big deal whatsoever for others. And let me tell you, for my loved ones that live with these kind of things, there have been so many times that they have disclosed to others and the other person just has not given a shit. So if you are struggling or you love someone who is struggling, I really think that this episode and Beck's insight and journey is going to be revolutionary for you. I want you to know that you're a beautiful, fucking amazing, incredible, kind human being that has gone through so many things in life that truly a virus or a bacteria living in your body should be one of the least interesting things about you. 
I can only imagine that if you do live with outbreaks of any kind, that must be very difficult. So if you want to look into why your body is allowing a virus to thrive, my dear friend Sarah, the potent plant functional medicine practitioner, works with many, many of her clients to either rid the body of the virus in cases of things like HPV and to put it to sleep in the cases of viruses like the herpes family. So if you are suffering with outbreaks, please consider reaching out to a practitioner or with Sarah and her details are linked in the show notes. I hope you take value from this episode and please, please share onwards with someone you know who could value from the healing permission slip that is hidden inside of this episode. I love you all so much. I'm so sorry that my voice is so husky. I really haven't been well the last few weeks. But most of all, I'm so grateful for you holding space for sensitive, beautiful discussions that should be common and normalized and that together we are taking one step towards that being possible. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Open House podcast. Today I am so, so, so incredibly excited for this episode. I have Beck Antonucci here with me. She's an emotional well-being coach for women and she is one of the most special women. I just got a frog in my throat. You can feel the emotion coming up already that I have had the pleasure to stumble across on social media. So I discovered Beck through a podcast a couple of years ago, and I listened to her story, which she is going to share with you all today. And I have just never forgotten about this woman. I think of her all of the time in any situation that I'm in with silence, shame, health anxiety, anything that I go through Beck is always there in the back of my mind in this podcast that I listen to. And I think of her as such a incredibly powerful woman, which is how we all can be, not even should be, we all can be. But what Beck has done is she's gone to the other side of the wall that society puts around us, the wall that says you should be small, you should be quiet, you should be ashamed. And there are things like STIs that can cause that wall to be bigger and scarier and keep us really, really trapped on one side of the wall. So today we're going to share Beck's story. I haven't lived Beck's journey, but I've lived my own journey with something else. So we're going to go through my story as well. So this episode today is for everyone. Maybe you've experienced an STI at some point in your life. Maybe you haven't. Maybe someone close to you has. Or maybe you're not even here for that. Maybe you're just on your own journey to digging into shame, silence, and really just radical self-expression, which is where Beck is at. And I would say I have come so far towards as well which is why I think this episode is going to be fucking amazing because you have two women here who have no shame, who have no fear. There is nothing off the table today. So first of all, Beck, hi, thank you so much for joining me. I literally have goosebumps. Oh my God, Louise, I've been doing all this nervous system work to crack my heart open and it's just turned me into a massive sucker. I'm crying while you're introducing me. This is so beautiful. I love that. That was like me in the gym yesterday. I was like crying in the middle of the gym and I was like, ah, it's a full moon. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm all over the place. I'm in New York City at the moment. I'm obviously Australian. I went and saw Aladdin. I'm like, this is reminding me of my childhood. And it's all so beautiful. I'm sitting there crying. The person next to me is looking at me like, what is wrong with you? Oh my God, I'm so obsessed with that. Like, also, I feel like our, our little inner childs, they're so, they're so boxed in before you start to do this work that like, you could watch Aladdin 
and feel nothing because you're so disconnected from that little inner child that once was like obsessed with Aladdin. And then actually as adults, when we start to break down those walls, we become that inner child again and we're like, oh. And now I'm like, Jasmine was my hero. I know what today's podcast is about, but thank you so much for such an incredible and heart-touching introduction. It means a lot, a lot to receive. Oh, my pleasure. And yeah, you know, that isn't what the podcast is about today, but I think that so many of the things that we are going to talk about today actually do stem back to childhood. Like silence for me has been such a damaging part of my childhood, having a father who I love dearly, who's on the spectrum and and very emotionally shut off and then dating very shut off men. And then just, I've had a lot of experiences with silence and cold. And I think that that's probably the best place today to start this episode. We're going to be sharing your incredible story with your herpes diagnosis, which honestly how far I've come on this journey, I'm like, it shouldn't even be a story. It's such a normal thing in today's society that the fact that we're even doing a podcast, like celebrating you for talking about it is just, I think shows where the work needs to be done, like within ourselves, within society. I completely agree with you. It's become, since stepping into it, I almost forget the fear and the pain and the shame and the prison that I lived in until, and sometimes I'm like, do I need to talk about herpes anymore? Doesn't Because it's such a common, normalised conversation for me. Like I'll be at a coffee shop and some in Perth, Western Australia, and someone across from me at the communal table will be like, hey, you're Becca Antonucci, right? And I'll be like, yeah. And they'll say, I have herpes too. And my friends will all be sitting with me and be like, can we just go somewhere without <laughs> stopping you and letting you know that they have herpes? But it's so normal and there's no charge. It's just like herpes is like saying the word ice cream. It's just whatever. It means nothing to me now that it's not until I receive these really deep messages on Instagram of women sharing the suicidal ideation that they're going through and that they wouldn't still be here if it wasn't for the fact they have children, that is the constant reminder to me that, oh, well, it is still really stigmatised for a lot of people. It is really an uncommon, it's common, but it's an uncommon conversation for a lot of people. So every time I'm like, I can put that down because I just love the woman in her fullest self-expression, every message that I receive reminds me that I can't put it down and it gets to continually be spoken about. And it isn't actually the conversation around herpes as such. It's just that thing. Like I know even in your introduction, you said some people might not be here for the herpes conversation, but they could be here that feeling that there's something that makes them a lesser person in society's eyes and they're desiring to break through that wall so they can fully express themselves and own all parts of themselves. And that's what really excites me, whether it's herpes or people have shared with me around diabetes, ADHD, and feeling that projection and feeling like they need to break through that shame. So it's so interesting the things that people resonate with me around when they're not experiencing herpes but still deeply understand because Mm. at the base of it, at the root of it, we're all so much more similar than what we are different. The vehicle just shows up in different ways. Oh, you're so right. The vehicle shows up in different ways. We all have something, something that like evokes a deep charge reaction within us. We are going to dig into herpes. We are going to dig into HPV. But like you said, for anyone listening, there are so many things that this can be applied to. Like there is stigma in today's society. And I've gone on my own journey of releasing shame and stigma for myself, for other people. And now I see the herpes virus. I'm like, wait, so I'm allowed to have chicken pox as a child and I'm allowed to have shingles as an adult. 
But if I was to have herpes or if I was to contract the virus at some point, that wouldn't be okay. But it's the exact same family. Or, oh, we're allowed to have glandular fever, which is the Epstein-Barr virus, which is the same family as herpes, which 90% of people have in their body. But you're not allowed to have herpes. Like, that for me has been such an eye-opening experience in terms of like, that. why should one thing be so deeply shamed and, and stigmatized when everything else is normalized? Like you mentioned suicidal ideation. That breaks my fucking heart. And then I think my final point is my boyfriend has someone very, very close to him who died of HIV. And that for me has also been, wow, wow. Like it's taken the stigma and replaced it with someone that he loved so dearly. And so I think as a result of those things, I've gone on my own personal journey of removing stigma around these things. And now I just am like, God, I would love anyone just just as much for who they are. I think that's so powerful. Number one, really coming into the question of, I heard a very logical part of you that was, hey, that was like, hey, this isn't stigmatized in society, but it comes from the same family as a herpes virus. So why is one stigmatized and not the other? That's a really great question to be asking. And the stigma that has been placed around the herpes virus itself, it's just like saying, well, if you get cold sores on your lips, that's very similar to getting cold sores on your genitals and it can be passed and transmitted at the exact same rate, the exact same way. So what makes one okay, but one not? What makes one necessary for disclosure and one not? And just asking those questions, you can start to think, hey, why do I actually believe that herpes is bad? What is it that has left this impression in my mind? Is it a bad joke in a movie? I'm pretty sure there's a bad joke in um, The Hangover. Is it a bad joke in your favourite TV show? I'm pretty sure there was one in Friends. That's my favourite TV show. Is it something that you've seen on social media? Is it someone going through a breakup and their ex slandering them all over the internet? Is it someone that got outcast in high school or in college? What is it that put this belief because we are social and historical beings. We've been born into social beliefs and idealisms. Not all of them serve us, but we've learned it. So if you've learned that herpes is bad, you're going to think that it is until you realise actually some of the beliefs and idealisms that I've been born into are not serving me. So now I have to unlearn what is not serving me and relearn a new way of being. And then when we bring humanity into it, seeing loved ones go through deep, excruciating pain and them share something so vulnerable with you and you're seeing someone that you love and you're like, oh, a skin condition that that is stigmatised in society, I still love you. So how can I help you carry the burden of this pain to make it okay so that we can liberate you and other people from it? There's so many places that we could go with that, but looking at it logically, questioning where your belief systems, not just for herpes, but for everything, mm-hmm. where it came from, unlearning what's not serving you and relearning a new way of being that's actually empowering for you and all the people around you. I think that's a beautiful place to start. You are so right. And I think that just part of the whole self-development journey is is challenging those ideologies about everything. You know, what, what belief systems were you taught as a child, as a teenager? What has subconsciously like dripped into your brain to form your beliefs today because part of the self-development work it isn't just about healing your inner child it's about facing up to those fucking beliefs face on and saying no I actually don't fucking agree with that and you've been in in my brain for 28 years 35 years 47 years 85 years whatever and actually now is the time that I'm gonna start to sort of break these down My, my boyfriend gets cold sores on his lips like why should that be any different to someone else having a cold sore on their vagina or on their penis. Like it's been a very beautiful 
experience for me, just, just taking something that is so like silenced. And I think that's where I really want to go here. And I'm going to share my story as well. And I can feel the goosebumps again as well. Cause this is something that I said, to, I said to my boyfriend at dinner last night, I was like, if you had told 18 year old Louise that she was going to share this story with about HPV on her podcast, to hundreds of thousands of people, she would never fucking believe you. Like I would never have shared this. And even three years ago in my last relationship with a man that I was, oh my God, like we were so close, first and foremost, best friends. I mm. still didn't share this story with him. I did not mm. share this story with him. And I think that shows how long it has taken me to deal with this. I really resonate with that because if I was to go back to me 10 years ago and tell her what I'm doing now, I know that she would be like, oh, no, we're not doing that. We're not. There's going to be no podcast. No one's going to know. You're going to die with this in the grave. No one. That word is never coming out of your mouth. So right there with you on that one. Yeah. And that's what's so liberating about it is like, you're doing this, like I'm doing this, like it really is just, everyone should be doing this. And I actually think that after this podcast, there are going to be people that will go and have these conversations for the first time. And I actually think that if you are listening to this, whatever it is, whether it's an STI, whether it's diabetes, whether it's whatever it is, you know, maybe your thing for today, maybe for this week, maybe for this weekend could just be having one conversation with one person. I'm sure Beck can guide us on, you know, how, how is best to go around that from her standpoint. But I think my situation is, is different and similar at the same time. So when I was 18, I hadn't, you know, I'd never slept with anyone apart from my boyfriend and I cheated on him when I was at university. We should have broken up years before. I was definitely trapped in this relationship that I shouldn't have been in. And I cheated on him and there was so much shame. He walked in whilst I was cheating on him. We just started together at university. I was labeled like the slut. Did you hear about that girl that did that? There was so much shame and shock. I mean, I almost don't even remember the experience. Like it was that traumatizing for my brain that the the, the memories have literally sort of been wiped out. Um, and then I don't know, I, I can't tell you timeframes, but what I do know is that at some point in the aftermath of that, I contracted the HPV virus. Now, did I tell anyone? No, I called my mum and I said, uh, mom, I've got these like skin tags, like on my vagina and like on my, on my thighs. Like, I don't really know what's going on. And my mom was like, oh, you have genital warts. And my whole body, literally, I just remember being like silence, like frozen. Just, it was just this shock of this such innocent young girl that had like never even really slept with anyone and then boom, like this, this reality of something that I didn't even like know existed. And I just remember that I was like what you said. I was like, no one will ever know about this. No one will ever know. I'm going to get this sorted out, which I did, you know, went away within two weeks or whatever. Never, ever came back. My smear test has shown that it's gone. And I said, I would never, ever, ever talk about this. You, you take it to the grave with you. Now, what I think is so fascinating here is this concept of silence. And I can't wait to talk about this with you because for me, and it's something that I've unpacked in therapy so much because I have a chronic pain disorder, right? And it sits in my pelvis. So what I've learned is, oh, all of the trauma, all of the shame has just become lodged in my body. And surprise, surprise, it's in my pelvis, the space of shame. But 
for me, I didn't realize that what I'd done subconsciously was I had almost told myself that this was a punishment. This was a punishment for cheating on my boyfriend. This is what happens if you're a slut. This is what happens if you're a whore. And going to therapy helped me realize 90% of fucking women have this virus. And how could that be a punishment for me when it was either in my body already or, you know, it didn't necessarily even come from the person that I cheated on my boyfriend with. It could have come from my actual boyfriend, you know. And all of these things now looking back are so irrelevant. I'm just trying to take you through the the turmoil that I was going through at that point, trying to connect the dots and explain things. And this happened because of this. And I've just come to this beautiful place now where it happened. It, it's as simple as that. Like it happened. And then the rest of my life has now been unpicking that, which, which I have done. And we're going to get into that around how liberating, how life-changing it can be to work through these things. But I just love to talk to you about this concept of silence and like the stories that we build in silence that are just not based in fact, not grounded in reality. Is that something that you experience? Cause you know, when we listen to you now, it's just like, you're so liberated and like, you're just, there's nothing is like a big deal for you. But was it like that initially for you? Were you in distress? Thank you so much for sharing your story. And I think so many of us, when I share my story, so many women say, oh my God, that's exactly what I went through. So us all are hands-on learning in the diagnosis and in an instant. So I knew that something was going on with my body. There was something not right. And I went to the doctor and she said, shall we do an STI check? And I, similar to you, had not slept with very many men at the time. And I was like, I don't need to do an STI check. I've only slept with my boyfriends. I believe that that marked me as safe. And she looked at me and she goes, well, when was your last STI check? I used to wait three to four months before sleeping with a partner because I was nervous and scared and thought it was sacred. And so when she asked me that, I had this moment of like, fuck, I've never actually had one and I'm 25. And just only sleeping with one partner or a few partners doesn't mark you safe from STIs. In fact, a lot of my clients have been virgins and been on the receiving end of the virus the first time they've slept with someone. So as she said, oh, honey, you have herpes, in an instant, I'd done nothing, no research, no understanding of STIs at all at this stage. At this stage. In a moment, just all of these beliefs flooded my body, all of these thoughts, you're unlovable, no one will ever choose you, you're ruined, your sex life is ruined. This And your first outbreak is quite often your worst. So I thought that was going to be my experience for fucking ever. Like I just thought that that might be monthly or just ongoing. I didn't realize that they could be very few and far between. So my nervous system is getting absolutely drenched. Mm. That's acute trauma, just like shock and instant, (gasps) overwhelming, all-consuming pain. And I just remember like shock, shame, sadness. And then straight away, my ego went into overdrive of like protection. And how Mm. can I make sure no one ever knows about this? Get my meds and go straight into like reverse engineering. No one ever finding out about this. Keep this to myself. Mm -hmm. Share it to the one person that I was sleeping with. So I'm just sitting there thinking, how? How am I going to make sure that the rest of society never finds this out about me? Mm. And so my journey had been all around. I was bullied in high school by women. So my core wound is rejection. And I'd lived the next 10 years of my life from 15 to 25 to my diagnosis, trying to curate who I am, the way that I look, the way that I communicate so I could get Louise to like me. 
I needed you to think that I was pretty. I learned that aesthetics and being aesthetically pleasing gained acceptance in society. And now I was hand-delivered by God Universe Source, the most stigmatized virus on the planet, which for me was the greatest permission slip to my healing, even though it didn't feel like it at the time. Mm. And I just went straight into like, I need to find a way to hide this part of me. I will go to my grave. Like I made commitments to myself. I will die with this secret in my grave with me. Mm. I will stay with this man that I don't love who knows this about me because he says that he chooses me. This is my forever now. I can never be chosen for love again. My sexuality is taken from me. My sensuality is taken from me. My appearance is taken from me. And that took years. I had to go through. It wasn't an overnight, oh, my God, I realised that this happened for me and I got through it. I went through denial. I went through hatred at men. I went through blame. I went through shame. I went through silence. And for as long as that shame was all consuming, I was trying to avoid it. And then I started acting out in ways that had been acted towards me. I started sleeping with with people without disclosing. And then shame is something that's been done to us. Guilt is what we do to others. Mm. Once that guilt started to flood my system and I realised, actually, I I get to heal this. Mm. I get to heal my shame. I get to heal my guilt. I get to share things with people that I've never shared before. I get to heal my relationship with the toxic masculine and the masculine inside of me. That was my journey to really creating a deep inner acceptance around testing positive for the virus and being able to speak it so openly. I feel like I was about to cry there. Like, I'm just so grateful for you sharing the the journey and the, the turmoil of emotions that you went through, because I think that it's very easy to see you at the end end goal now and look at Beck and be like, wow, look at Beck. Like, that's amazing. Like, how did she do that? And actually you've shared there what a journey it was and how many emotions that you went through. And I think that what is so fascinating as well is that concept of taking it back to rejection is that there's often, often like a virus or an STI or whatever, whatever the thing is, there is something much, much deeper going on below the surface. And that's what, that's what my therapist helped me explore was this thing that you dealt with so very long ago and that you don't deal with now it's still there in your psyche. You know, the reaction was so intense. Why was that? So we dug into that. And a lot of that came back to exactly what you said is like, it came back to my inner child, this fear of rejection, this rejection from the masculine. Like I was rejected from my father as a child, you know, how do I make men like me in adulthood? Well, like you said, I look really pretty. I'd be really cute. I'd be the cool girl. Like I'd be in the cool group. You have a great body. Like they think you're really sexy, et cetera, et cetera. Now, all of those things work until, bam, they all get hit by something, right? So for you, it was herpes. For me, it was HPV. And in that moment, it was like, oh, oh, God, like, I can't be that woman in her full expression anymore. But I think that my question for you is, like, what is going along? What is going on below the surface? And I think my question for you is, do you see that in all of your clients that you work with? Because by the way, guys, you can work with Beck and we'll, we'll get to that at the end of this show. And I know that so many people listening are going to, you're going to change their lives as well. But is that something that you see? Because I've seen your iceberg analogy on Instagram before, and I'd love it if you could just talk through that a little bit, because I saw that and I was like, wow, so many people are going to relate to that. Yeah, I shared a photo of an iceberg and I talk about when herpes comes into your life, we get so fixated on herpes is a problem, herpes is a problem, herpes is a problem. And I consider herpes like the tip of the iceberg. And what's real, like when the boat hits, what's, what does the damage? It's what's underneath. Like go and Google right now a picture of an iceberg and you'll be able to see. And underneath is fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, all of our core wounds. 
And to put that into for some people that are more logical, I have a friend over in the UK and when I was in Europe last year, I caught up with him and he was like, what is it that you actually do on the internet? I'm so confused. <laughs> and I carried a big sign, pink sign around Europe that said, I, hi, I'm Beck and I have herpes. We took photos with it at every like really famous monument. And he's like, why do people care if you have herpes? He's like, I'm so weirded out by it. He's like, isn't it super normal? Like don't, doesn't, don't heaps of people have it? But this guy, my friend, he doesn't have the core wound of rejection. He doesn't ah. have a core wound of not belonging. So for him, he's just like, it's nothing. It's all good. It's like pretty normal in society. And then the, I said to him, no, it's actually a real thing. Like some women come to me and they're considering taking their lives. I considered taking my life. Mm. That's how. And he was like, are you serious? But because they're not, it's not herpes. This is what I, any listener that's list, like hearing me right now, because I don't want to minimize how real your experience is mm. because I have been right there with you. I literally was like, leaving this planet might be easier than ever facing off with this, ever having, like, I wouldn't be able to say the word Louise. Like, it would get stuck in my throat. I just thought herpes was the most gross word. And I would sit in front of the mirror and be like, just say it, Beck, just say it. I was like, I can't. I'd be there in the mirror, like, shaking, like, just say I have herpes. And it was so challenging. And so I really want to, for any woman deeply in that pain, I fucking resonate. In fact, I know going a little off topic, but really still relevant, that after suicide online, the next two Google searches, the the next one is herpes. So I really, truly am so passionate about this because I believe there are statistics that we will never find out about because if I had have done anything to myself, no one would have ever known except for my doctor. So it would have never come out that that, there, there are no statistics attached to that, but I feel for the women that, that do feel, and men, that feel so impacted by this, you get to look at what's under it because it's a great gift. Once I healed the herpes thing and I came out about it, all the stuff that was underneath came flying to the surface. And all my clients come to me, they're like, yeah, I'm coming to you for herpes. They're coming to me because they trust me, mm-hmm. because I use my voice about the thing that they mm-hmm. resonate with. But what we look at is what's so much underneath herpes and afterwards they're like oh herpes is not a big deal at all we didn't even really like we kind of look at it but we look at what's actually there the core wounds that this virus that manifested this virus that brought I believe that you will only be brought what you need by God universe source higher power higher consciousness whoever you align with to support you on your liberation path and maybe you heard the call so much like I went through a 10-year disordered eating journey I came back from overseas with a horror breast surgery from the Philippines I had been handed so many lessons where I was told to love and accept myself and heal this core wound of rejection, but I was not listening until something as loud as herpes came into my life. And once that hit, I had no place to run and no place to hide because even though physically on my body it wasn't there, I could hear this siren in the back of my mind all day long just blaring at me, you have herpes, you have herpes. If only they knew you have herpes. That guy would never date you if he actually knew that you have herpes. Louise wouldn't have you on her podcast if she actually knew and it was constant and I couldn't think about anything else and it got to a point where I said to myself what do you mean I have herpes it's not on my body I don't I'm so pro natural health I treat my body with so much respect I drink the water I do the plant medicines I do the yoga I do the exercise I do ever I do the meditation so why is this voice screaming at me I have herpes and that was my realization that the virus exists in my mind 
Mm. The virus, living with the virus is not a problem for the majority of people, maybe for about 12%, it can be really challenging. For the other 88% of us, super easy. So Mm. what is the pain? The pain is the voice in our mind and that's what we really get to face off with. Oh, Oh, you have just shared so much there that is just honestly so important. And I think the first thing I want to pick up on is how your friend was like, this isn't a big deal. Like that, Mm -hmm. that is something that I want people listening to know, because it's the experience that I had with HPV. Like if I had known at 18, what I knew at 28, which is how many women have this virus, how many women go to have a smear test and have this virus, how many women have abnormal pap smears because they have this virus, you know, no one's going around shouting, oh yeah, I have this virus, or maybe I have genital warts because you know, there's tons of different strains. But the thing is, is like so many people out there are experiencing the same thing but we're not talking about it. And like you said, it wasn't a big deal for him. And it's like the same thing with my boyfriend. Like he doesn't have those those wounds of rejection and abandonment that I do. So for example, when I said like, oh, I'm recording this, I'm so excited for this episode with Beck, et cetera, et cetera. Part of him was, like you said, he was like, oh, but you know, how, that's, that's fine. So many people have it. Like, why do you need to do a podcast about it? And he didn't he didn't have that mindset, just like your friend didn't. And that's also what I want other people to, to know and to hear is that I think that from my experience of, of the silence is like, you think it's going to be this life destroying thing. And what I've learned from my friends is that some of them have one outbreak and have never, ever had another one ever again. And it's been 15 years. Some of them have one outbreak every five years. And some of them, yeah, they do have it more frequently, but they have a lot of other health issues going on that they're also working through. Sometimes your body is screaming at you. It's talking at you and are you listening to it? You know, I'm incredibly in this functional medicine world and what we can understand is like, if you look into the depths of it, what is going on in your terrain that is allowing this to live there and to outbreak? I have a friend who is an incredible functional medicine practitioner. She comes on this podcast all the time. She's done parasite cleanses for people and they've never had an outbreak ever again. Yeah, I love this conversation. And what I really want to drill home for anyone who is getting outbreaks is that you not to feel shamed mm. by this conversation because so many women will say to me, oh, you know, the, the only advocates that talk about it online are the ones that don't get outbreaks and there's mm-hmm. so much more shame around outbreaks. And I want to let everyone know that my belief system is that I don't get outbreaks. Mm. That, that's my belief system. I don't have any fear of getting it. And I also believe that when I don't listen to my body, because you spoke about the body screaming, when I don't listen to my body, she will yell. And the thing that triggers a herpes outbreak is stress, right? Mm. Three different kinds of stress, just like what you were talking about. Environmental, emotional, physical. So emotional, what's going on in your own internal world, in your mind, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, how your nervous system is. Physical, how you move your body, what you put into it, how you eat, how you drink, how you relax. Environmental, are you in a stressful work environment? Are you constantly stressed about money? Are you working more hours than what you enjoy? Are you living in any kind of pleasure? Are you just doing the nine to five, clocking off at five and then waiting for the weekend to come? There are so many things that affect your stress. Now, last year, I hadn't had outbreaks for years through managing it all naturally. And then I was super stressed. I was working a lot. I'd brought on two new team members. My entire life had changed. I was waking up on my phone first thing in the morning, going to bed, doing emails, lasting at night. I knew I was like, I need to drink more water. I need to put put my phone on flight mode. I need to take more time for myself. I knew that. I overrode that thought and kept doing what I was doing. So what happened? Three months in a row, an outbreak. Mm. And immediately, rather than wronging it or shaming it or making it bad, 
I don't ever make my, an outbreak bad when I get one. I just said, oh, my God, my body is a miracle. I know what I needed to hear, but I overrode what I was hearing. And now I'm going to go and do the thing because I can't not, because my body is screaming out to me. And so if you looked at the symptom as a beautiful sign and realize that that's your body in a beautiful communication with you and she is asking you for something, she's screaming at you saying, please listen to me, please take care of me. If you could truly listen to her, like I used to have a body journal. This is how I um, healed through disordered eating and my relationship with food and bulimia. It was the very same with healing my relationship with herpes was having a journal. And every time I felt her screaming at me, I would start to talk to her rather than Mm. at her, have a conversation with her. And there's so much medicine in there. Even just when the outbreak comes, being able to have the conversation of speaking to your body and saying, thank you, body, you are my miracle. And I'm willing to hear you. What is it I need to know? You would hear and receive so much. It's so beautiful. And I think that what I've realized in life is everyone is learning similar lessons through different vehicles. I have fibromyalgia. That means I have chronic pain. It means that my muscles, my nerves, they will scream at me. And sometimes they'll just whisper. And sometimes they will scream to the point that I'm bedridden and I'm literally in agony. And it's the same thing, right? It's like my body is just communicating to me For you, your body is talking to you in a different way. Like we're all just being spoken to by our bodies. And the question is, are you listening? Are you talking with it? And also this is fascinating. Again, a little bit abstract for anyone that's not really dipped their foot into this, like the deeply emotional, energetic piece of life. But like I mentioned, my boyfriend um, has the cold sore virus and he says, oh, I never, ever, ever get outbreaks unless I'm in an argument and I don't speak my truth. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, and I've got goosebumps. So I was like, oh my God, wow. And he grew up in a very, very suppressed childhood. He wasn't wasn't allowed to share his truth. He was an only child. He was silenced. And then we had our first argument. It was like a year ago now. And I'm very fucking fiery, like very fiery, so much fire and passion in me. My conflict style is like, let's fucking go. You want to fucking go? I'll fucking go. Like, let's fucking go. Speaking my language. <laughs> Literally, I was like, I know this girl can relate to me. <laughs> and his conflict style is the opposite. Stonewall, shut down. Okay. So we had our first big conflict. And in my eyes, he'd done something wrong. So I that my unhealed part of me that was triggered fucking went at him, like angry, hot, like you did this, you did that. You shouldn't have fucking done that. Like blah, 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 blah. He was just silence, like silence, said nothing, nothing, nothing. And the next day he had his one and only cold sore outbreak that we have ever experienced in our relationship together. Now, why is that? Because it was a learning experience for us. It was a learning experience for me that my boyfriend is triggered by the stress of not being able to speak his truth and by the energetics of his mouth not being able to speak the words that it needs to. So what did we learn from that? We learned I need to be calmer in conflict. I mean, I knew that already, (laughs) but I need to be calmer in conflict. I need to give him space to speak. And not only that, but I need to ask him, how do you feel? How does this make you feel? Has he ever had a cold sore again in the last year and a half? Never. Look at that abstract, energetic, emotional connection that no doctor would ever tell you about. No doctor would ever say, oh yeah, that's right. That's how it works. But I think that just just sort of summarizing Beck's point there, like your body is talking to you. 
My body talks to me through pain. Bex talks to her when she's so run down through an outbreak. My boyfriend talks to him when he's not speaking or sharing his truth. My brother has psoriasis. One of my best friends has eczema. One of my other best friends has diabetes. One of my other best friends gets pelvic pain. We all have something. And just tying back to the beginning of the episode, it's just so sad. It makes me so sad that this HSV2 virus has been so stigmatized. What would you have told Beck 10, 15, however long ago it was? Like, what what would you have told her? Like, that she, I, I know we need to live these journeys, so you were never going to do it differently because you had to live that that journey. But how would you talk to your, your younger Beck now or anyone listening who's going through these things? Yeah, I would, I would tell her my number one principle for life is anything that we avoid emotionally because we're really scared to go there. It's just going to further perpetuate more pain in our physical reality. So that I would really encourage her. Beck's on her path. She's going to be okay no matter what. But if you are brave enough, Rebecca, to look at where this stemmed from, you know, the pain that you faced off with those girls bullying you in high school and really getting super tender with yourself rather than protective. I thought I had to protect myself from the mm. world. And that's so, you know, how all, so many women come into my world and they want to release the armor, take off the emotional armor, open their heart to love because they weren't always this way. But things have happened that have really hurt and harmed us physically and emotionally. And so we've ended up putting up all of this emotional armor to guard us. That's what happened to me when I was bullied. And I thought I must protect myself from this ever happening again versus being like, whoa, this is a really tender, gentle part of me who's so hurt and so afraid and really wants Louise to be her friend, but scared that Louise won't accept me and really wants a man to love me, but fearful that he won't choose me. I'm so scared that all of women in this world will reject me. If I could be so gentle with that part and look at it rather than, I was like, nope, scared to look at that. I'm going to run from it, run from it, run from it, run from it. And it just Mm. kept creating the same experience in different vehicles until I was willing. And so for anyone that's resonating, I would just say to you, I know it feels really scary and really hard, but I want to let you know that people say that what I do now is brave. The herpes thing is not at all vulnerable. I want to let you know that this is not vulnerable for me. Intimate relationships, sharing my heart with my partner, having really courageous conversations with those around me, holding my friends and family in grace when they hurt and upset me and having those courageous conversations, I think that's vulnerable. Herpes is a fucking piece of cake. But Hmm. when you think it's hard, I want to let you know that you get two kinds of hard to choose from. One, hard, living in silence, living in shame, settling for a partner less than what you know that you deserve because you think the kind of person that you desire would never choose you. That's really hard. Breaking free from it, hard, but so much easier to live. Once you get to live free, you get to live free. Someone could run up to me and be like, you're the most disgusting human, Rebecca. You talk, that's positive for herpes. You talk about it on the internet. And I would stand there and it would, it would just like hit me and bounce. And I would look at that person and say, I'm really curious about what's going on for you to feel that way because there's no charge for me anymore. And so I would love for you to consider that if I can break through, you can too. And if you really look at what you're avoiding, your peace could be found there. Mm. Oh, the thing that you said about staying in relationships that you shouldn't, you know, when we posted you to our Instagram saying that you were coming on the podcast because Beck posted this incredible picture. She looked, I think you're in a bikini. You looked fucking smoking. I was like, oh yeah, this girl is beautiful. And you'd written all over you like, fuck stigma, fuck shame. I have herpes. And I just saw it and I was like, wow, 
like, wow, like, fuck. Like, I just respect this woman so much. Like, she is so incredible. So we reposted it to our story and we said, Beck's coming on the podcast soon. Like, we really, really can't wait. Had a ton of women replying. Some saying, I've never told anyone that I have herpes. You're the first person that we're telling. Like, I cannot wait for her to join. That was so beautiful. I think I cried when I got some of those messages because how did I respond to that? Did I respond saying, that's disgusting? Of course I fucking didn't. I responded with so much grace. Thank you for sharing this thing that you've carried with me. And thank you for for being vulnerable and open with me and just know that like, I, it doesn't make me, you know, just the way that I was able to receive it was with so much love and compassion. And I knew that they needed to hear that back in, in return because that was, that was what they needed from that moment of being vulnerable and open. So I made it in my, in that moment, it was my job to be the carrier of that moment for them. And, and it felt very, very beautiful to be able to, to be that person. At the end of this conversation, we'll come to like how you would say, like, how should you communicate this to someone and how should you receive it from someone? And I think that would be the perfect place to end. But one of the most impactful messages I got, which really upset me, was a woman saying that she stayed in an abusive relationship for 10 years because she was so ashamed that she never thought that anyone else would ever love her, would ever choose her. And she just was like, oh my God, I can't wait for this episode to come out. Do you see people staying in relationships that they shouldn't stay in because of this? Um, oh my God, all the time. Like that woman's message is probably something that I get every single day. Uh, like My journey was the same, except my partner wasn't abusive. The man that I slept with, I, he was amazing. We were best friends, but I couldn't choose him because I felt like I'd been lied to and betrayed. And I really felt like, my freedom of choice had been taken from me. And what's super interesting about that is I think back to that man. I think if he had just shared with me, I would have been so curious. I was so curious about our connection that I would have explored him anyway. And I was like, well, then you probably would have ended up here no matter what. But I really just desired my choice to choose. That's what I wanted. And so I stayed in that partnership thinking like, I just can't be with someone. I can never imagine sharing this. Who else is going to choose me? So I'm going to stay here. And he treats me good. So I just should be okay with that. He's spoiling Mm. me. He's taking me on adventurous holidays. He's buying me handbags. He really doted on me. And a part of me was like, well, I'm fucking entitled to this because you took my beauty from me. But he was treating me nice. And I still felt so stuck in a relationship that I knew that I was settling for. I was like, this isn't a relationship rooted in love. This isn't a relationship rooted in compassion. This isn't a relationship rooted in desire. This is a relationship chosen from fear. And so for that other woman as well, I think any woman staying in an abusive relationship, she really gets to look at, I I know women feeling stuck in abusive relationships who don't test positive for the herpes virus. This is their work to free themselves from this prison that they live in with that person and cultivate and really looking at, you know, what's under the surface that has that woman in that relationship. But I promise that woman that if she can really free herself from the fears of the herpes virus. Like I know a lot of women, when they share with this person that they're going to leave, he or she will threaten back, well, I'm going to tell everyone that you test positive for herpes. I would really encourage you to go down that spiral to the worst possible outcome of the whole world knowing. Yeah. And I feel like you might find your freedom at the other Mm. end of that path because it sounds like where you're living right now feels all consuming and not the life that you came here to live. So if this episode becomes their permission slip to really pave a pathway forward for them to break free, I would just feel like this was the best spend of an hour ever. Oh, I know this will be the best spend of an hour ever. You are just already helping so many people. And I think what you said there that I really picked up on is this choice to choose. At some point, 
for many people, they didn't get a choice in that matter. They didn't get a choice in knowing that they were opening themselves up to that. Yes, sometimes it happens that the other person doesn't realize they have it. I understand that happens all the time. Sometimes there will be situations when the other person did realize that they had it and that they didn't share it with them. But I'd love it if you could just talk about this choice to choose, because I know that that's something that's so powerful in your work, especially when you talk about disclosing to potential partners or to partners. Yeah, I have a really alternate perspective on disclosure. So so a lot of the people advocating for herpes on the internet really drill down people's throats. You have to disclose. And there's so much force on the person. And I believe that if we force anything on anyone, we're going to be met with resistance. And so when people come into my world, I tell them that they are a sovereign person and you get to do what's most in your alignment. I'm never going to force you to do anything. But one thing I would love for you to sit with is because lots of women will say to me, when's the right time? When's the right time? When's the right time? There's no right time. But I would love for you to consider the person who engaged with you. When do you believe it would have been their right time to tell you? Was it date one, date five, one month in, two months in, just before you had sex? Like when would have been the right time? And that is your internal compass for you to get yourself to a place where you align with that. It's not going to happen overnight. But what felt most painful for me was that I would have chosen to sleep with him knowing that he tested positive for the virus if I had been given that empowered choice. Mm. And it felt like my freedom was ripped from me. And so that became my own internal moral compass. And because there was so much shame there, for years I didn't. I was mad at men. I was partying for two years, taking heaps of MDMA, taking heaps of ecstasy. And I loved that because in the nights out when I would drink and take drugs, that siren that was yelling at me would all of a sudden dissipate and I wouldn't hear the voice. And I could go out and be free and be single back with no fears and no worries until midday the next day where all of a sudden all the things that I'd done had landed for me. And I realized, whoa, I'm just further perpetuating what Mm. has actually been done to me. And now I get to courageously look at that. And so... I can't tell you what your moral compass is. Some people might be like, yeah, I don't have to disclose to anyone. I'm never going to tell. I get cold sores on my lips. I don't need to tell my partner. I, like, whatever. I can't force you into yeah. my belief system. Yeah. I, you can only feel into what's your truth around this and then do the work to align yourself to get to a place where that actually gets to happen. But in terms of disclosure, I know that you were curious about what that looks like. It would be like, hey, Louise, are you open to having an honest conversation with me right now? I want to share something with you. It's really vulnerable for me and I'm sharing it with you because I really respect you. I'm really enjoying sharing time with you. And first, I'm going to request that you actually not repeat this to anyone else because it's actually something quite private and tender for me. I want to give you the empowered choice to choose. It's important that you know that I test positive for the herpes virus. And then I would pause and just let you hold that with me for a moment. I've honoured you. I've respected you. I've mentioned that I want to give you an empowered choice. I'm enjoying our time together, that I want to give you the choice that wasn't given to me. And then after that, I would say, and like the request for privacy is super important because I know a lot of people really want to keep this close to them. And then I would say, Louise, do you have any questions that you'd love to ask me? And then I would go from there. Like in that, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I don't have enough information. In that moment, you're the most resourced. Some people are like, oh, I don't care. Like my little sister had it. It's not a big deal. My mum has it. My ex-girlfriend had it. I have it. Like there's just so much that comes from that conversation. Some people are like, I don't know anything about it. Can you share some details with me? What does this mean for us? And then the two of you can have a beautiful two-way conversation mm. 
with as little or as much knowledge as you currently have, you could be like, hey, we could go and see a sexual health doctor together. We could do some research. We could book a session with someone online. The way that I am, I've attracted all men that are like, I don't care. And I'll be like, do you have any more questions for me than just I don't care? And then some people get like a lot, a lot of questions. When I was on Tinder, I put it as my Tinder bio. I test positive for herpes. Now that's out in the open. Let's um, talk about what's really important. And just people were so open to the conversation. Like, hey, I've never heard about this. What does it mean? Do we always use condoms? Can we ever not use condoms? And just people are more curious and open to the conversation than you realize. You just get to be the brave leader of your life and hold space for it. Oh, my, I have had goosebumps literally this whole conversation. Like you are just so full of grace and wisdom and power. I am so grateful for you sharing all of this. And I think that what I was taking from that there was, it it just comes back to the silence again. You know, you think that by sharing that, like you just, I think you go to the worst case response. If you have the wound, the worst case response is you're a slut, you're a whore. I don't want anything to do with you. Of course, I don't want to fuck you. Of course, I don't want to touch you. Blah, 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 blah. But like Beck said, if the person receiving doesn't have those wounds, what might be there instead? There might be curiosity. There might be, oh, what does that mean? How does that impact me? Et cetera, et cetera. Or like Beck also said, there might be nothing. Like three or four of my friends have told guys before they've slept with them and their, their response was literally like, and like, yeah, that's, that's fine. So I think it's so important to understand that that response can garner so many responses. I really believe that when internalized shame does not exist, no one can project it on us. And when internalized judgment doesn't exist, no one can project that on us as well. You know, I've been single and at music festivals and dancing with a guy on the dance floor and he's gone to like bite my neck and it's getting like really sexy. And I'll say to him, if you're thinking about coming home with me, it's important that you know, I test positive for the herpes virus. And most men have been like, I don't give a shit. Some men have danced away, but not danced away in that moment. So maybe it was for herpes. Maybe we just didn't have the energy going anyway, because I'm sure we've all gone to a nightclub, danced with someone for a little bit, and then eventually ended up migrating away from each other. It's just the meaning that we attach to it. Because the more that you can regulate your nervous system, your body to be able to receive no's, the more that you're going to be able to access your full body fuck yes. And if you're reaching for the low-hanging fruit, you're going to get a low-hanging relationship, you're going to have low-hanging friendships, you're going to have a low-hanging bank balance. And when you really can be like, you know what, give me all the no's that are meant for me because I'm only here for my real big full body yeses. And that became my highest alignment of like, if rejection shows up, I am so good with that because I'm not here for the person that's going to say no to me. I want the person that's fully claiming all of me, my light, my dark, my herpes virus. It's the perfect place to end. I can't add anything onto that. You just mic dropped so fucking hard. (laughs) That was the biggest literal boom of a mic drop. I mean, that's it. Your light and your dark, we all have dark. Our darkness shows up so differently for all of us. Some of us, it's mental. Some of it's emotional. Some of us, it's physical. We just have to give grace and compassion to whatever anyone is dealing with around us. So Beck, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is like, oh, we've never done an episode, anything like this. And you are going to inspire so many people and help so many people and save lives. Like you are saving lives out here. And it's so sad that we live in a state of the world where that should even be something that I can say. But the truth is it is. But hopefully by us all doing this work, by everyone listening, having a conversation with their best friend, their partner, we can just start to destigmatize things that shouldn't be stigmatized and that are causing people so much pain and so much hurt. 
So I love you deeply from the bottom of my heart. And I think you are beautiful and strong and kind and passionate and sexy and all of those things that little Beck didn't feel when she was she was younger. I feel all of those things about you today. I just think you are truly incredible. And I'd love it if you could just tell everyone listening where they can find you, how they can work with you, how they can listen to your podcast. Tell us everything. Mm, Oh my God. My heart is so open to you, Louise, and every beautiful woman that you bring into your world. And so I'm so grateful for you for being courageous and brave and seeing the importance of this and hosting and holding this conversation because you are a big, 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 big part of the women right now being able to hear us talk about this in the way in which we do. For anyone that feels called, I'm over on Instagram, Beck Antonucci. Uh, I have a podcast, Raw, Real and Vulnerable. We get really juicy, really on firecracker, just like Louise. <laughs> I have my signature group women's coaching program called True Transformation, uh, which is a 10-week real deep dive into the self. And then I have the Fully Expressed Woman mini course coming out next month. Amazing. I'm going to link all of that for Beck in the show notes. If you feel called to this, I would urge you to step into this space with Beck. Herpes, no herpes, whatever the fuck it is, it doesn't fucking matter. If you feel called to go and work with Beck, I absolutely guarantee you it's going to be the next part of your healing journey. So thank you, Beck, from the bottom of my heart for joining us today, for sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, your vulnerability, and this life that you were given in this lifetime with everyone who is listening. Thank you so much, Louise. I love you. Oh, I love you too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye, darling.